Hello, listeners. This is Alex, the producer of the Unregulated Podcast. This is the second half of a two-part episode that we recorded last week. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can find it on AEA's website or on any of the major podcast platforms. And if you have a second, please take the time to rate and review the podcast as it helps other people find the show. Thank you for listening. Now here's Tom and Mike with the second half of the episode. stick with um, a couple more election issues. Uh, the first is issue related. This this continuing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation with ma- masks and, and yeah. threatening lockdowns and vaccinations and this and that. This is going to linger. This is going to be in this is I thought this was we said and you ma- made it clear that this was a COVID election. I think the midterms, there's going to be more of it. Yeah. And that's unfortunate, Ryan. And the second, uh, there's two two more things that are sort of out there yeah. that I think the Democrats are underestimating, yeah, are starting to worry about critical race theory. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. You you know you it it nobody cares about it. if you want to talk about it. In the New York Times, you know, adults adults look at it like yeah whatever. It's when it migrates to schools that all of a sudden you got parents who are like wait. Wait a minute! I can't. I can't let you get away with that, right? And the Palm Beach thing was interesting. I don't know if you saw the Palm Beach thing. Well, let me let me pull an article from Politico. Yeah. Uh, People are scared. Democrats lose ground on school equity plans. The subtitle is: Moderate and suburban voters share concerns about education changes and say national Democrats dismiss their arguments. And the whole story talks about. And these are not radical conservatives. Elena Kaplan is the kind of suburban mom who made Joe Biden president, an immigrant from the U.S. who came to the U.S. from the Soviet Union. She's a registered Democrat from San Mateo County, and she's alarmed over her state's new model ethnic studies curriculum, which cites critical race theory as a key theoretical framework and pedagogy. 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 I I firmly believe that the vast majority of Californians and Americans knew about this. And about the content of this type of curriculum, this would not be happening. We would not be having this conversation. The whole article goes on to talk about, you know, this is not just a couple of random, crazy right-wing moms no, no, no. in, you know, various places barking loudly and getting, you know, five minutes of fame on Twitter. Yeah, no, There no. are a lot of Northern Virginia suburbs, Palm Beach County, yeah, Palm Westchester Beach, County, Maricopa. Even in even in the outskirts of Detroit, where yeah. where it, some it, of this it, stuff it, is it, starting it, to percolate, you know, once the 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 tricky thing is once people are are sensitized to it, they start looking for it, and that's bad, right? And um, like I said, nobody cares about adults. Like, hey, you want to have this conversation? New York Times, you want a bunch of politicians have this conversation? Sure, whatever. Once you start pouring it into the heads of eight year olds, everyone's like, okay, that seems like it's out of bounds. Yeah, and that's and you know the guy the guy running in Virginia, right? Glenn Youngkin, right? He brought it up, and, and McAuliffe took the bait. He, <laughs> you know, Terry, 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 Terry raises money well, but he's a bit of a numbskull. The funny thing, the way Youngkin put it, right? He said, "Hey, man, he said we should be teaching him critical thinking, not critical race theory." And I thought, "Aha, that's a great line. That's a great line, right?" And now he's a terrible candidate, so he's like, you know, 
He's Again, he, he'll might benefit from the Democrats. You know, let's hope so. Reach and ineptness. Let's hope so because he's not running a good campaign. Right. But, but it's a great line. You're going to see people steal it all over the place. And yeah, Terry turned right into it. Ah, it's an invention of the right wing. It's a right wing like, conspiracy. <laughs> this is totally made up by Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. You know, you know. And and the funny thing is, I mean, I wrote a. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, propaganda alert. I wrote a column on this a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. We'll include that in the show notes uh, in the event, in the, it, it, the Thomas Blue Jefferson. Chip Washington Times yeah. publication. So Thomas Jefferson, right, high school for science and uh, math, right? You know, one of the three or four best public high schools in the in the nation and almost as good as my um, alma mater, Bishop Arden in Alexandria. But anyway, TJ, um, a, a, as if on cue... TJ, you know, try to get rid of their emissions test because there are too many Asians. 73% of the school is Asian Americans. And so they want to get rid of their emissions test so they could diversify the student body. And so all the TJ parents tossed out the their PTSA board and hired a new PTSA board. And the state PTA run by the Northern crew um, proceeded to toss the new board because they really wanted to you know, they want to change that emissions test. They want to get rid of the emissions test. A slightly different thing, but if you, you know, if you think about it all together, it's, it is, if parents having enough with the public school system are starting to reach a critical mass. And of all the parents in the world, to go after the parents who are crazy enough to send their kids to TJ, it's, it's a, it's a little example of just exactly how bulletproof these educational guys think they are. Yeah. And they're not. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be like a fight over four or five years. Yeah. Well, no, this, I mean, this, you know, they made a, a lot of ground uh, with suburban women, obviously. Yeah. A guy like DeSantis. He's smart. Yeah. All of these guys. He's not, he's not going to put these, these ladies off. He's no. not going to put them no. off. He's no. not going to offend them. He, and they're going to be like, wow, they're going to say he's a crazy right wing lunatic. They're not going to buy that garbage. Yeah. So I've been through these, I've been through these curriculum fights, right? In New York state when I was a kid, you know, my dad was, was really tangled up in them for years and years and years. And let me tell you something. They're tough. They're, durable right they last for a long time and they're completely nonpartisan. but what they all do is they all radicalize the parents and not just in education right it's always the same right it's these parents like this lady in the new york was it wall street journal new york times article political. it's all political it's always the same kind of parents right hey i don't really watch politics and then they read something the kid brings home and they're like what the hell is this and then they go to a meeting and then invariably it's always the same some Educational bureaucrat says, shut up. You don't know what's good for your own kid. And you and all of a sudden they start thinking about government differently, right? Like it's not just education. All of a sudden they see the deficiencies and the arrogance everywhere. Um, it, Like I said, looking forward to it. Yeah. Could be fun. Yeah. Okay. Got one more on the issues front. Voter ID laws. Yeah. So another political article, and this this is not usual for me to pull up all these political articles. My researcher needs to like find some different sources. <laughs> yes, we're f dot 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 ed, quote unquote. Dems fear turnout catastrophe from GP, GOP voting laws. 
there's a growing concern bordering on alarm about the potential impact of 2022 and the raft of new voting restrictions, um, et cetera. This, after, the whole article is basically a, an airing of grievances sure. about these different voter sure. ID sure. efforts yeah. going on in various states, yeah. right? The 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 attempts to, to return the attempts by states to return to the pre-COVID norms. Yes. 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 I'm super worried," said Max Wood, founder and CEO of DEC, a progressive data analytics company, analytics company that analyzes voting behavior. That's a <laughs> that, that that analyzes data. And... I try to be optimistic, and I do not, and I do think there are times when this kind of stuff can galvanize enthusiasm and turnout, but I don't know. That it will be enough, especially with how extreme some of these laws are, right? It goes on and on and on and on. So essentially, the Democrats are nervous about losing elections in states where they're making it. And I think the line is easy, easy to easier vote, to vote, cheat. harder to cheat. Harder to cheat, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, the Republicans have done a good job on this. Um we are face. We we are heading towards a really odd circumstance in this country, to back to our Shake Shack guy, where everyone's going to be all up in your personal space about whether you're vaccinated and wearing a mask, and the Democrats are going to be arguing that you don't need voter ID to vote. So you're going to need a vaccine passport to move around, but you're not going to need voter ID to vote. That is what the young people call not sustainable, right? So I'm I'm this voting thing is over. I mean, the Democrats have spent now seven months of this administration talking about it and it's done. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and they're but they're not because all the you know, OK, put it back into uh, perspective. How many people watch those three those three horrific cable news? Networks? Three million a night, four million About a night. Three, depends four on million yeah, a night. Yeah, right. Yeah. Depends on, you know, they they take an exhort. They suck up an exorbitant. An, an outsized amount of energy here. It's kind of like Twitter, right? Yeah. Like there are very few people on Twitter. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, 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 yeah. But they still bark this stuff out. I'm going to I'm going to read a quote. I mean, you you guess who it is. Over the last 3 decades, we have witnessed the Republican Party, especially at the state level, put up enormous roadblocks to the freedom to vote for every citizen. And part of the problem is there is one party that believes every American citizen deserves the freedom to vote while the other party erects barriers to the ballot box. I'm going to guess that's Jim Clyburn and he thinks that the Democrats erect barriers to the ballot box. <laughs> no, we talked about it last week. This is my former neighbor, Donna Brazil. Oh, yeah, hey, I got to get some credit for that. <laughs> All right. The professor is going to give me going to give me partial credit for that for sure. Yes, Donna Brazil, absolutely. Is she still a person? She's still a person what is she who doing likes to bark. What is she doing uh, bark Democrat talking points? Isn't so. isn't she isn't she accusing Barbara Bush of having a, a an affair or George I Bush or something like that? I but don't know. It whatever happened to Donna Brazil? I remember her. So talk, anyway, talk about so, re, talk about reaching back. <sighs> this is a perfect. This is a this is a lot of soup here. This is brewing, right? This is wait. There's a lot of. There's a coffee here that's brewing, and this all of this stuff is, I think, going to be mixed into voter sentiment in the midterms. Sure. And so I, maybe you're right. Maybe they're like, you know what? We're we're dead anyway. Let's get this. I don't care if we kill people. Let's just get this 3.5 trillion in, because 
we won't have anything after that because you know we're we're gonna lose the house it's possible we could lose the senate tricky thing. joe ain't gonna be around much longer yeah the tricky thing about that 3.5 trillion is it's gonna take the federal government probably 10 or 12 15 years to spend it all yeah. and when we get you get yeah, a, you get you get it back you get a they're republican already calling COVID. They're, they're already calling i can't wait for the pay for section by you know, the way we're, we're just gonna go to pay force right yeah. now um it's a Wait, no, 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 no. One more election thing, because this is your thing. Go ahead. Jake Elzey versus Susan, Susan Wright. Wright. Yeah. By the way, both both candidates, excellent candidates. Yeah, right. They, I mean, know, it's, it's not it's, like a big deal. It's, it's not a big deal at all. It's one of those moments where- um, This is the Texas runoff. Yeah, in Texas 6. It's one of those moments where, um, you know, you, you want to find places for both people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's any hard feelings anywhere in Texas about it. Um the interesting thing is president endorsed Susan Wright as you know did a did was doing robocalls and whatnot for her right up to the election and the Texas Republican community was for the most part backing yeah. Jake Elsey, right? That's the the Crenshaws of the world, right? Well I have one particular guy in mind, but yeah, um Rick Perry, right? <laughs> yeah. Rick 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 Perry can always be counted on to to be the skunk at any particular picnic you know you guy could screw up a one-car funeral president is um this is something i knew was going to happen right his his the team he had i'm going to get in trouble for no, this no no we're going to edit it out don't worry no we're not <laughs> we'll the, edit that part the, the, the team the team he, the team he has the team the president has around him on a routine basis is not very good and that's just that, right? They 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 walked him into this thing. They should have realized this is going to be a close race, two popular candidates. Why are we picking a side? It's a different dimension of the problem he has in the Senate races, right? Where he he is becoming the arbiter of the crazy part of the party, and that's not what he wants to do. He should become the arbiter of the entire party. Well, he can't help himself, though. Yeah, I, mean, I know, I know. You know I, mean, that's, I know. He's obsessed with Herschel Walker. It's not going to happen. Well, I, I wanted it, it, to talk briefly I mean, he's going to he's gonna lose. Dude, the thing is, he's going to lose this special in Ohio, right? Max Miller is going to probably lose lose against Gonzalez in Ohio. And nobody seems to be concerned about any of that stuff. It, it Political power is a fleeting thing. You should be careful how you spend it, right? And, and and the idea he's going to keep Doug Ducey out of Arizona, he's he's not going to endorse Doug Ducey. Doug Ducey's going to win. The idea that he's going to endorse Eric Greitens in Missouri, Eric Greitens a criminal for God's sake. I mean, you know, we could pick Bill, Billy Long is going to run in Missouri. Billy Long would be a great senator, you know. But there's a fifty fifty that the Trump guys are going to pick Eric Greitens just because they're pissed at Kellyanne Conway that he's going to work for. She's going to work for Billy Long. That's the kind of sophomoric stuff that's going on that is really going to cost him. And I don't think he has a sense of that, but I'll tell you what, he's starting to get a sense of it. Yeah. I mean, a, a few, a few more of these, the interesting thing though, I, the reason I wanted to bring up Herschel Walker, what, yeah. two things. One, uh, you know, there was this rather sort of abrupt story about all of his issues with his personalities yeah. and things like that. And, yeah. and some of the issues that you brought up and how he's going to navigate through those but the narrative that's 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 become you know that has surfaced is that Trump's Trump is both going. It, it's a it's it's it is also multiple personality narrative. One on the one hand is Trump keeps losing. Yeah. On the other hand is Trump keeps winning. 
right? What they're saying is, is that the Trump people are going to win these primaries, but they're going to get killed in the general. And it's up to Mitch McConnell this is with the Senate races yeah. to save to save them, yeah. right? So, so I'm 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 okay. Two things: one, I'm I'm always really skeptical of any 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 reporting that that does this, right? That splits up Republicans. The truth of the matter is, Senator McConnell has limited control over who the Republicans nominate. I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's the truth. Rick Scott's running the senatorial committee. Rick Scott's been clear as a bell that he's not taking sides. Absolutely, he's letting voters he got vote burned by by Bill McCollum, right? The, so, you go back through and look at the look at the the track record of the 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 RNC or the senatorial committee. It hasn't the Republican Governors Association, right? It hasn't been great. It's been a fifty fifty proposition. Um, difference is is that a guy like Rick Scott. He can be wrong a bunch of times. It's not going to matter to him. President can't be wrong a bunch of times, right? He needs to. He needs to um, pick his guys carefully, and I, I just, you know, he doesn't have to pick every time though. Either like, it's perfectly let it play out. I'm always. I've never. I've never. Uh, I'm. I'm. A, I'm firmly in the Rick Scott camp on this stuff. So am I. Let the voters decide. So am I. So am I. And then get around these folks. So am I. Right. So am I. Um, and and both. You know. It, it, when when the party tries to put the thumb on the scale, they sc- almost they sc- almost every time they screw it up. I don't up know somehow. about almost every time, but let's put it this way: their track record's no better than the voters. The one thing about the president is, and you you just hit on it, right? Um, this is where being a New Yorker has a problem. There's no such thing as a New Yorker without every an opinion on every <laughs> damn know. thing, right? Trust me, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I'm, I married into a New Yorker family. My family is a perfect example. There is literally nothing in the human experience about which they do not have an opinion. And the president is the same way, right? It, it, I've spent most of my life trying to, trying to um, train myself to understand that it's perfectly okay not to have an opinion on something like it perfectly okay. Just say, I don't care or I don't know or whatever. But He's not built that way. He he he, he needs to stop relitigating this thing and move forward honestly. But agreed, it, it's just agreed. I don't know that it's going to happen. Agreed I, with that too. He, so. You know, it, it it he lives down in his own little grievance bubble, and that's not good. Okay, so lots of election stuff there, but I think it was worth kind of getting everyone sort of yeah, man. You know, back in the back in the fold on this. Let's talk infrastructure, and then we'll do some rapid. We'll do a a, a rapid round. Let's make infrastructure rapid. Um, <laughs> you know, we're 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 now on the bill in the Senate, right? We're going to have a bunch of amendments. Um, the the great news is is that the more people are exposed to this, the less they're going to be excited about it, right? The usual suspects are going to be in favor of a chamber national association. Yeah, they've already all, the big three have already come out. Yeah. Our friends Jay and Josh. And, yeah, you know, yeah, we're so. in favor. You know, there's, so it turns out they're in favor of stripping, stripping, you know, taking money from taxpayers and giving it to them. I'm, yeah. Shocker, right? I'm in favor of that too. Any taxpayers out there want to send me a bunch of money, feel free. The um, the pay fors, list of the pay fors is out. Um, <laughs> it is not going to age <laughs> well. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it is. It is, yeah. Can you rattle off some highlights for the quote unquote pay fors, Mr. McKenna? You no, know, there are no highlights. I'm just going to. So this is just perfect. So, so the big number is $205 billion from repurposing uh, COVID relief funds, right? Okay. Let me just stop you right there. 
if we had $205 billion extra dollars floating around from COVID relief funds that we're not using, they should be returned to the United States Treasury, right? Yeah, so that isn't going to happen. So using them to pay for this, that's the equivalent of a tax increase on you. Pay that attention is right. as we keep it is, going. And, and, and hence, not a pay for. It's not a pay for. It, 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 it's money you're stealing from the Treasury. $53 billion is my favorite one. $53 billion from certain states returning unused um, unemployment insurance, right? Basically, people who turn their federal bonus back in, um, all the Republican states who did that, yeah, here's the deal. They just got their money swiped for no reason. Right. And the Republicans that went along with this. Right. Um, you know, it, Representing it, their states. It's embarrassing. You know, I get it if you're a retiree like Rob Portman, but I have no idea. Or if you just obviously, you know, know a lot about finance, but don't know anything about government like Romney. I have no idea how a guy like Bill Cassidy shaves in the morning. Uh, there's a $20 billion in sales from uh, Spectrum. <laughs> Wait, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, ever re, the ever resurfacing Spectrum sale is back in the, in the fold here. Just... The, the bottom line with this list of pay-fors is I have never seen, oh, I've never seen it as creative as this before. It's so I've seen shaky. a lot of retreads, but there's some doozies in here. Okay. The second, and the, and the, and the second, I want to just mention one more of the, you should get a hold of your hold of these and laugh. It, two, two last things, right? The second largest pay for, other than the two hundred five billion that we're taking from COVID relief that should have gone to the treasury, is fifty six billion dollars. I'm going to read it to you how they describe it: in economic growth resulting from a thirty three percent return on investment in these long term infrastructure projects. Okay, so what that is is they're they're counting on fifty six billion dollars showing up in revenue. From these infrastructure that projects. That is insane. Okay. That the CBO signed off on that? Okay. Well, here's here that was the second point I was gonna make. So as you go down this source list, this is the this is the best part, right? As you go down this source list, okay. I don't want to tell people stuff they already know, but when usually when you look at a list of pay fors, it's a pretty clean table. CBO gives it to you, and that's it. It's gospel. There it is. There's your score, boys. That don't come back to us again. I'm just going to read you, the, like, I got a, like a list of 10 bullets. I'm going to read you the sources, right? Um, the $205 billion comes from a CBO estimate. They, have a, they, said, they say source, CBO score and CBO estimate. I'm like, well, which is it? Funding from fraudulently paid uh, unemployment benefits awaiting CBO letter. Okay. Delaying Medicare Part D rebate, CBO score. That's not going to happen, by the way. Um uh, $53 billion back from states, source, CBO estimate, source, CBO estimate, source, the $56 billion in dynamic scoring, source, CBO analysis. Oh, an analysis. analysis. That's nice. 13, 13 million bucks from, from reinstating um, Superfund tax, um, Joint Committee on Taxation score. CBO doesn't let JCT in this conversation usually. And then the last ones, the little, the little tiny ones, eight billion, eight billion, six billion, six billion. Those are actually legit score, score, scores. So the really big ones are fantasy, um, and the small ones are legit, and they're all ridiculous. And the way this process is going to work is we're going to spend a couple of weeks working on amendments, and then Chuck Schumer is going to figure out that hey, time to move on, and we are going to move to final passage, and we're going to get. 53 votes to move to final passage. Well, we'll see about that. I, you know, I, nothing is surprising me these days, including this list of pay fors. Uh, I am, I am no, shocked. There is I'm no shock that they would even 
try to pretend that this passes muster. If By the you, way, six billion in sales from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So all the Green New Dealers out there, you're going to get your infrastructure bill by you're, you're welcome by selling oil. So, you're welcome. It it um, which by the way they've already you know they've already done so, that jag a few times. Yeah. So as so, well. so so long so long story short, right? The conservatives are going to put every every really good amendment up here. Finish the border wall and do Keystone. this. Keystone, right? All the stuff that the all the stuff these negotiators should have done, right? And it's going to be impossible after a week or two for Republicans to vote for these amendments that it will be defeated, right? And then vote for it without the amendments. There's and no we'll see how there's no way. What it's you're saying work. is is that that Mitch McConnell is a, is you know. It's secretly a genius. I don't think he's secretly has, a genius. I think he's just a guy who understands who, Senate process. Right, really. Who is like, like so, to your point, I'm not going to take credit for this, is when we were chit-chatting by the water cooler that you said, yeah, I mean, just kind of letting these guys dunder around for two and a half months was a pretty decent strategy to begin with, right? Well, all I can tell you is six weeks ago, we had a number of $579 billion in new spending. Then, like six days, six hours ago, we had a number of five hundred and fifty billion dollars new spending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally spent two weeks arguing over twenty nine billion dollars. Yeah. Are you people idiots? Um, and we are now going to spend two weeks taking really bad votes. And and yeah, I don't he, I, I don't just look at the pay force. Yeah, no, it's I, a I joke. No, I have no it, idea how any of these Republicans can go back home and say, "Oh yeah, this is totally legitimate." Yeah, they're all hoping they're. Obviously, they with the speed which which they rushed the cloture vote, which by the way we got the score in, um, the fact that they put out these things, these this fait accompli type, you know, talk talking points and everything. Yeah, man. They need this thing to pass so fast. But we still don't have text. Right. We're waiting on right. a thousand pages worth in, of text. In the Golly. famous words of Nancy Pelosi, we got to vote oh. for the bill before we can so, figure out what's in it. So you think about it. We got the White House fact sheet. We got the spending pay fors. What are we going to do when we get a thousand pages of text? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not even looking hard now. Wait, wait till we read text. But but the the big three here in in town, they're all very very pleased. The yeah. chamber, thank you very kindly. Those guys can go to hell. Um. All right. So that's that is a good. I think that's a good summation of where we are on the infrastructure stuff. Um, I think the short answer is don't panic. We've got a few more. We got a few more um, chapters of this before we. Move on to the big three point five trillion dollar monstrosity. Yay! So we got. Uh, let's do. A, should we do some news? A, a little lightning round. We at this point we should definitely do a lightning yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot to say here, guys. I know so that's the problem. Uh, okay, so let me start with New Mexico. PNM warns of potential brownouts in summer 2022 due mm -hmm. to San Juan shutdown. Solar projects not being finished. Santa Fe, New Mexican. Um, public service company of New Mexico executives carried a stark message Wednesday about a potential power shortage next summer because of the closure of San Juan generating station. Um, you don't want to dwell on doomsday scenarios. Spokesman said, yeah, for PNM. Yeah. We're looking at any and all options and we continue to be beat the bushes. So to say for other opportunities as well. Um, look, we told you so gang. I mean, this is happening this is happening more frequently. Where are they going to get? Can they borrow the power from California? No. Can they borrow the power from Arizona? 
No, because California's stealing their excess power, right? This is this is how this is going to go. There, everyone's going to all these renewable uh, mandates, all these states, these enlightened blue states. They keep lifting power from other states that are producing real electricity, and it's eventually they're going to run out of places to steal it. Yeah, it, it's going to be just in the last couple of just in the last couple of months. What do we have? We have San Juan out. We had the Battleborn solar thing scrapped the They're other day. They're already warning us about Texas again. Right. We had the Navajo generating station out. You know, if you're if you're arguing, and, and there are people who are arguing with the Texans about how you should be connected to the West, the Texans are like, I, why? I mean, I, we killed people, sure, but, you know, come on. You're crazy. It, it, there are people who want to breach the dams up in Washington. I mean, it. The West is 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 heading towards a, a a serious problem, I think, at some point, and and not far away, right? You know, New Mexico is the second state to to basically say, "Hey, we're 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 right on the knife's edge here," right? California is always on the knife's edge. Just a matter of time till it migrates to Arizona, to Nevada, to Colorado, to Utah, to everybody who's interconnected in that energy imbalance market. At some point, one of these states has to stand up and say, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. And someone's got to wipe out these mandates and start, you know, building electricity. Yeah. To, know, and that's the thing about reliable it. Reliable right? generation. And that's why the Battleborn thing is so concerning, right? This solar project in Battleborn on, on Mormon Mesa in Nevada, 850 megawatts, right? A pretty, I think it'd be the biggest solar project on in the, in the continent. They withdrew their application to BLM because it just all the local opposition, which I totally get. I wouldn't want it out there either. But um, somebody's going to have to build something at That's some right. point. The whole human race cannot continue to move west of the 100th meridian unless you're going to build some power plants. Coal, coal prices are back up. Sure. Coal generation is, is creeping back up as we predicted. Natural gas prices are going up. And this is called supply and demand, folks. This is not about like... Oh, we can't use coal anymore because this and that and the other. When when the price is right, people buy it. That's right. And I and I think, you know, we're a blackout. We're a real bad blackout away from a real problem. You know, it, it, uh, it I it, would I would hate for it to happen in California between now and September. You know, NERC's already NERC's already put it on there in the spring. And I'm being facetious. NERC's already put it on there. They said, Hey man, we're gonna have a blackout in California. Only question is when. A uh, somber note, again a Politico article. Um, Beijing thrust long list of demands at the Biden administration. I, you know, this whole article is about ba basically a a recent uh, meeting between the Chinese Foreign Minister and a Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, not Wendy a, not Sherman, not a deputy, the, the, deputy, the deputy Secretary of State, and China has basically said, "I want." The sanctions on Communist Party officials revoked. I want visa bans lifted for students. I want my Confucius Institutes back. Yeah. I want my journalists to have much more access. And I'm going to get to a, a journalist in a minute. Here's a quote. The U.S. side is in no position to lecture China on democracy and human rights, adding that the U.S. was once, quote, engaged in genocide against Native Americans. Okay. China is... 100th anniversary of communism. China has told told the United States to back off on Taiwan, to back off on um, uh, South, China the, South China Sea. South China Sea. 
they are literally I don't know if they're laughing at us or I don't know what's going on here, but they're watching us like mangle ourselves up and twisted into knots about things that we've talked about on this episode. The Chinese. They're going in. The Chinese are good authoritarians. They sense weakness and they're they're doing their thing. Uh, Wendy Sherman is the interesting part of that story. I mean, the China thing's interesting. The Confucius Institutes, the insistence on the Confucius Institutes, because by the way, when Pompeo said, "Hey, we need to get all these out of the out of the um, the universities," the Chinese said, "These are just like opportunities to share with our American brethren. They're just coffee and donut operations." And now, yeah, it's essentially we get them back in there, guys. I'm like, odd that a coffee and donut operation shows up like on your priority list, but okay. Oh, and oh, and by the way. Do not give us any hard time anymore about the Uyghurs. That's what was one of their. I would, yeah, sure. No, I'm with them totally. What's a little so. slavery among friends? If you can't murder your citizens, who can you murder? Yeah. I think my my son nailed it yeah, pretty man. pretty well at the beginning of the show. So, if you don't unprompted, by the way, if you don't like if you don't like the way we treat our treat our citizens, don't don't look. Yeah. Um, this is. I, we, I mean, we, you we a few of us uh, dined together the other day, and and. It was a sobering discussion because I ne- it never occurred to me that at some point China's going to move on Taiwan. Oh yeah, and I don't think we're gonna. I think there. I think I don't think we're gonna do a thing about it ultimately it's, at the uh, end of the day. I I share that fear. Um, I share that fear. It, it's a it's a legitimate it's a legitimate fear. Uh, speaking of w- Chinese, w- Wendy Sher- journalists, Wendy, check back at Wendy Sherman for sure. a second. For those of you who have a little trouble tracking people as they wander through administrations and think tanks and whatnot, uh, Wendy was the Obama administration's point person on the Iraq deal. Just, just so you know, just just so you, just so just in case you're thinking, hey, well maybe they're good this time. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, and, and by the way, they're about to uh, potentially nominate a tree spiking eco terrorist to run the BLM. Yay! So uh, that's for a separate that's for a separate conversation. This came across the transit this morning, speaking of Chinese uh, sympathizing journalist types, but apparently a, a one Katie Brenner from the New York Times pulled, put a, popped a tweet out and then pulled it back uh, abruptly. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Today's January 6th select committee hashtag underscores the America's current essential NATSEC dilemma. Work to combat legitimate national security threats now entails calling a politician supporters enemies of the state. Yeah. Interesting that she used that phrase, right? You know, Trump used Trump used to say not many times, but four or five times he said that the media was the enemy of the people. Now we have a member of the media, not just any old member of the media, but one of the New York Times reporters basically calling Trump and its supporters enemies of the state. And I thought about that phrase a lot because I watched this story. I thought about that phrase a lot, and I thought, you know, that's probably right. She's probably right. She shouldn't have withdrawn that tweet. The only part of the tweet that was wrong is that we pose some kind of national security threat. I am, in fact, sometimes an enemy of the state, especially this state, right? And I should be because sometimes the state is an enemy of me. I mean, you think about it, critical race theory, you know, Mass mandates. We get to mass mandates. We get to vaccination mandates. What does that look like? Yeah, other than talked. <laughs> other than a vitiation of your of your of your um, freedom. Well, your essential um, rights, right? 
um, freedom, free, free your your right to to um, your liberties and your persons and your property. It it. I thought about this tweet and I thought she shouldn't. Well, I don't know why she pulled it down. Well, I'm I'm sure she didn't. I'm sure her 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 bosses pulled it down. It's what for she her. really thinks, obviously. Well, uh, it's an interesting perspective that you have, and and it reminded me of um, many essentially what we do here, but but uh, we many years ago, when IER was in its infancy, we had a visit from government officials in Bahrain. Yeah. And we all sat around the conference table in a much less fancy office. Not that this one's fancy, but these were the, you know, yeah. <laughs> these were the dregs. And they were, they wanted to chat with us. Well, they wanted to chat with us among other groups because they're, they were going to start a think tank. Yeah. And, these were representatives of the government. Yeah. And they were going to start a think tank. And they wanted to know how it worked and everything else and this and that. And we began this discussion by saying, well, we are highly critical of our government. Yeah. And all of the things that they're doing right now with yeah. respect to free markets, with respect to energy, with this and that and the other. And we did this whole thing, you know. And they were like, oh, I, I think we might not. <laughs> we might have, have, we won't be I talking think we had a scheduling conflict. <laughs> they were they were freaked out by the fact that a it, it would be possible yeah. to raise revenue to run an organization that yeah. was highly critical yeah. of the government's policies on energy, yeah. etc. I mean, so, you know, thinking just thinking about it for a second, yeah. I'm not an enemy of this country. I'm not an enemy of the nation. I myself have taken a pledge to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, three times. I took, I meant it each time I took it. The state, this particular state, I voted against it. I'm yeah. working against it right as we're talking. So it's an interesting phrasing, right? Enemy of the state. I'm like, is that is that a bad thing? Now? Well, are we okay, not allowed but, to be enemies of the, the other, state? Here's the other side of this. She worked for freelance writer for the Beijing Review, which was China's only national news magazine in English, published by the Chinese Communist Party, owned by China International Publishing Group. Then she wormed her way onto Bloomberg covering tech, okay? Covering tech for Bloomberg out west, okay? She joined the New York Times as a tech reporter covering Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And they moved her on the state beat. So I don't know if you knew any of that. I didn't know any of that no. stuff. No, you didn't wow. know any of that stuff. So, so so, let's review. Yes. Katie Brenner. Katie Brenner, New York Times. Katie Brenner, hey, it's Mike McKenna here on the Unregulated Podcast. We'd like you to come on the show. We'd like to talk about money you may have taken in your past from the Chinese Communist Party and how you feel about enemies of the state and what kind of person, what kind of an American uses that phrase. So anyway, I just thought you'd want that background. I do. That's and, very and, helpful. And talk about you being radicalized by the New York Times. Uh, you know, the, I told you this before, a, a New York Times reporter who shall remain nameless except it's Maggie Haberman once asked me why I didn't why I don't read the New York Times, and I, and I thought when 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 the Brenner tweet hit, I almost just copied the whole message sanitary. Like you asked me a question, I'm not sure I gave you a good answer. This is the kind yeah. of reason why. Yeah, yeah. I had a an interesting. I was on vacation, so I legitimately wasn't going to do this anyway. But I was approached by a reporter from the New York Times who wanted 
basically a quote for an article she was writing about how lingering effects of Trump's administration's budget cuts and how it decimated the science. Budget cuts? We cut the budget? <laughs> I'm just like, what? Did we cut the budget? And it became the, the fact that the these agencies lost all these scientists is slowing down Biden's climate agenda. So, did you ask for like the numbers that indicate no, any budget? Like I said, cut? I was completely disconnected. Seriously, so. that's a that's a total lie. Yeah. It, but you know, I mean, they have a huge climate, like like they got like fifteen guys. writers, like or something eighty guys ridiculous. on a climate beat. The, the entire newspaper is nothing but a climate beat now. Uh, this is your this is your lane, but I brought I found this and I wanted to bring it up. Did you know that the government was branding the defendants in the January 6th thing as terrorists? The government? Yeah, I knew they were. I knew the OJ? Made, yeah, I knew, I knew they were making. You, but it, you know it, how in, they're getting in, there? In court, they're pleading it. In court, they're saying that. Jan, let me, let me yeah. walk you through. Yeah. January 6th was an act of domestic terrorism. And while we can see that Mr. X, I'm not going to name his name, is not under the legal definition of a domestic terrorist, we're not asserting that he is. But he was part and parcel of an act of domestic terrorism that was going on around him. And that context yeah. is relevant when the court is deciding how to sentence him. Yeah, this was this was um, this was the first. Felony we're, fr and we're framing this. This is a government official. Yeah. A DOJ. We are framing this in the context of domestic terrorism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hence, you should give him the same sentence as you would as if he were a domestic terrorist. Yeah, I, I read the whole. I read this the is whole, your DOJ. You know, I read the whole the whole court statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole the whole sentencing statement. It it it. DOJ was was arguing. Look look. The felony that I can't remember this guy's name. He was the first. He's the first and only felony beef, right? So far, it's been obstru obstruction of a public official. He bled. He pled guilty to a single count of quote unquote obstruction of an official proceeding. Presumable proceeding, right? Which, not to put too fine an edge on it, but there are probably fifty thousand lobbyists in town who are guilty of exactly the same <laughs> thing, right? Um, I mean, I, I I worked to monkey wrench a house energy and commerce here in, earlier this week. Does that make me guilty of obstructing a Official proceeding, yeah. So he he pled, and um, and the Justice Department gave their what they usually give, right? They they have the sentencing statement about you know this charge that we got him on. We could have got him on a bunch of other stuff. We didn't want to waste the court's time. You should treat him like a terrorist. Judge, like, are you out of your mind? You know the 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 full ride on that is twenty years. Judge gave him eight months. He's going to do three and be gone. And, you know he'll do ninety and they'll release him. It, it's not quite. Um, a drunken disorderly hit, but it has a lot of feel like a drunken disorderly hit. The judge is like, I, I, I'm, I'm tracking what you're saying. Now get out of my court. Um, yeah, I, it, 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 the, the, what's going to happen in the courtroom is none of these guys are going to get long, long rides because none of the judges are buying any of this stuff. That is partially why Democrats had to cough up this January 6th commission because they weren't going to get anything out of the court system, not anything. You know, if what you're telling me is is that the Department of Justice is full of um, unhappy prosecutors who, in a different life, would be sending people to camps, yeah, absolutely. I could have told you that right away. Uh, by the way, Republicans, Democrats, Justice yeah. Department draws kind of the worst people in America, the the people who believe that everyone's guilty. I'm just not sure of what yet. Yeah. Well, between this and the, and so I apologize the show. to all my friends who are Justice Department alums, but you know as well as I do, it's the truth. Between this and the show that's going on on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue, it is 
I think it's it's wearing very thin. I believe it's wearing very thin. And these guys are pulling out all the stops. And there's two things of two two things to the the hearing thing yeah. that they're that they've put together. The, yeah. Whatever the committee or whatever. If Kevin McCarthy ends up becoming the Speaker of the House, yeah. Which I'll withhold my opinions about that for the purposes of this discussion. At the very least, Nancy Pelosi probably has radicalized him. I hope so. To, for one, for one aspect, and that is this business of giving the parties the deference over who gets to choose committee assignments and all this other. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has yeah. basically, for the third time now, yeah, told the in. Republicans who is and not is and is not on a committee. In in a moment of peak, right after she did what she did, right after that whole thing. He's, he said that to a reporter. He said, well, if I, you know, if, if we take over, you know, maybe there won't be any Democrats at all in any of these committees. You know, we'll make the Democratic assignments. And and when they did the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, if you remember, I said that's yeah. exactly and, the precedent. And, and this is and, and the fact that Liz Cheney, I don't care about that Adam guy. He's just a, 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 a side side show. The fact that she's literally like a mouthpiece for for Nancy Pelosi like what is going on with her? Like, oh, I know, I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly. I mean, I, I took it took me a while to figure out what's going on. She she views the entire Trump experiment as a repudiation of neoconservatism. The idea that you know we should go off and shoot people everywhere. Yeah. Um, so and, she's still like the ghost of 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 her dad and that whole crew. Is that is it know, like she's trying to family, salvage the rest yeah, of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Family connections are very neoconservatism. Well, keep in mind, uh, this neocons are done. Like well, Bolton, not really. And here's the important <sighs> thing to remember about neocons: the neoconservative movement did not grow up in the Republican Party. The neoconservative movement grew up in the Democratic Party. Right. Um, so that's that's a that's a that's something we don't like to talk about, but the neoconservative movement was um, essentially came out of the dem the intellectual left in the fifties and the sixties, um, and because they didn't have a home and migrated. Well, they migrated over to right. well Democrats. John Kennedy, big fan of neoconservatives, right? He was in favor of going everywhere and killing everybody. That's how we wound up in Vietnam, right? It's something people lose track of, right? That this is a this is a this started as a democratic thing. Maybe she figures she can recrudesce it as a democratic thing. I don't know. All I know is Do you think she's gonna go over to the other side? No. Cause no. that I mean no. doesn't work in Wyoming. No. She she might hang on. I, I feel like I predict the I, best thing that can happen is she barely hangs on and then basically sets it up for a good candidate in the next cycle. It's not the way it happens. So. I'll, I'll give you a different prediction. You ready? Sure. Yeah. She winds up going into the administration. This one? Yeah. They okay. they make her they make her a deputy secretary of state so or she, defense before or the election or CIA so or whatever. she can bow out gracefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't if she hasn't rolled that together. I, she's I'm a just, she, you know she's less than I think she is. Yeah. I'm just wildly wildly puzzled by all of that. It, it's just so it, bizarre. It's it's. I'm I'm deeply impaired here because I don't really like her. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which is rare. Usually I love everybody. All right, we're ready to go. We got another thing. I I got uh I got a uh a quick blurb on the economic numbers. Yes. U.S. GDP rose six point five percent last quarter. 
That's a good thing, right? Well below expectations. What'd they expect? They were uh, they were at Dow Jones was estimating eight point four. Oh, so okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, job claims. Uh, job less claims. Job less claims. Uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase. Initial claims for unemployment insurance also missed expectations, uh, with four hundred thousand total above the three hundred eighty thousand expectations. So, it all slightly missed. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. So I'm not sure what all that means in the scheme of things, but probably nothing. It still means it still means we're facing some inflationary problems. Yeah, and luckily we have AOC <laughs> to explain to us how all this inflation stuff works and 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 AOC the economist has has really <laughs> blossomed has really given us a, a nice overview in this interview you know today I'm sure you saw you know what happened with the stock market that they said it was because of covid but there was lots of talk about inflation so I want to talk about the fears of inflation president biden pushed back uh, assuring Americans that the price increases uh, that they've seen hitting their wallets are temporary. Now, last week, you questioned the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and expressed concern over prematurely raising rates um, and, and what could what that could mean for marginalized communities. What are your biggest concerns over inflation, Congressman? Well, here's the deal with inflation, is that if we do not get the root cause of these price increases right, then policy decisions could be made that could really negatively impact your life, boost unemployment, and, and again, increase in interest rates. And we do not want that. So it's really important that we get the diagnosis right into what's going into these price increases. When you look at what actual uh, prices are going up, it's in very specific sectors. If this was an overall inflationary issue, we would see prices going up in relatively equal amounts across the board, no matter what the good is. But we know what's getting expensive. Things like the cost of lumber, uh, items like cars, whether they are new or used, and other sorts of items that rely on shipping and shipping containers coming in from overseas. These are very sector specific, which means that these are due to supply chain issues. That means that we don't have enough ports that, um, that can accommodate all of the backed up uh, ships that are trying to come in. It's because we don't have enough computer chips uh, that are produced by just a handful of factories in the world that go into these vehicles, which are then causing a rush on used vehicles. And it's because of all of the, you know, all of the rush on demand to, to, to build and to remodel homes during lockdown. And the reason it's important for us to understand that is because the solution to that is, guess what? Infrastructure. We need to put in more money and more okay. funding. I wonder so where the hell we're going. Okay, there's a lot to unpack. We're not going to unpack First any of, all, of it. She, I think she watched Robert Reich's Reich's uh, TikTok on inflation. On inflation, I think that's where she got who her information. Has, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to get credentially here, but who in the hell would ask her about inflation? Oh, uh, it was just she's just the gift that it's, it's she's not really the gift that keeps giving because she does have quite a following, and I. It's more infrastructure. That's the answer to inflation. But of course, she tweeted recently that infrastructure oh, is racist. I don't know if you caught well, that one. She actually tweeted. She actually tweeted. She didn't really tweet this, but she implied in a tweet that the 
infrastructure negotiators yes, were racist because racist. they didn't include any people of color, yes, yes. as I believe the argument. Yes. I'm totally in favor of that. I agree. I mean, I don't understand, like... We we probably should have had a lot more people involved in the... In the, the, the we're about to have a lot more people involved. Yeah, but, but in the old days, you used to have these things called subcommittee markups and then full committee markups and... Occasionally, you'd even have well, what's called I mean, a conference the, committee. Yeah, the problem with right? the, yeah the problem with the committees and the markups is is that eventually what happens is the ports get backed up because they can't have the ships, and then the chips come in from the other chips places. And, the ships. and you can't. And then at the end of the we day, need we need more ports. We need more ports. That's, That's the, the bottom line. The, That's the bottom line ports. is we need more ports. We need more ports and more committee markups. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am tapped, sir. I've got um I I wanted to find the Biden quote where he where he said like six times that there is no uh inflation. That was <laughs> not gonna cause no, more inflation. No, the, the I, I have a closer quotes, though. Oh, well don't don't give me a close. I got one more thing I want to talk no, about. No, no, we I, the floor is yours, sir. Just one more quick thing. The immigration numbers, the the illegal immigration numbers, uh, are averaging around two hundred thousand people a month, right? Okay, so for a long time, I've been for a long time for six months, they've been averaging about two hundred thousand people a month. I've been looking at that number and thinking to myself, that does not actually comport with what I understand to be birth rates, death rates, and economic growth in um, Central and Central and uh, America and Mexico, right? That that you know, we basically have run out of people in Central and uh, in Central America and Mexico to import. I don't know how to say that nicely, but um, it it you know part of the reason why immigration is not a particularly salient issue, less than less so than it was in the '90s, is because we don't have 20 million illegal immigrants in the country anymore. We have whatever you know, 10 or eight or seven, right? Specifically because fewer people are being born in Mexico and Central America, and therefore they have fewer um, people to move northward. You follow me so far? I am. Thank you for bringing this up. Yeah, I'm going somewhere with this. So the 200,000 people a month, I didn't think about it. I, I, I've been curious about this, right? A story in either the New York Times or Politico this morning indicate that what's going on at the southern border is in fact something a little bit more problematic, sinister, pick your word, um, that that is now being used as a gateway for international immigration, not from this hemisphere, but from the, you know, from other places. That should be looked upon with very great alarm. And I'll tell you why, because when you have 15 million illegal immigrants in this country, but they're all Mexicans, or they're all Guatemalans, or they're all Hondurans. We share a, a pretty significant amount of um, history, culture, and religion with those folks. Right? We do not have a problem like they have in Europe, where their where their immigrant population shares none of that history, yes. culture, or religion. Um, having a nation with a large immigrant, illegal immigrant population that is um, very much like you is not a problem. Having a nation with a large immigrant, illegal immigrant population that is nothing like you is a big problem. So I think we need to be careful about how we talk about the border and understand that it's not everybody, every um, 
Every criminal migrant is not the same. Some pose greater risks than others. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think that Republicans should ca- ca- cast it in one big swath. Uh, uh, but I don't think. I don't think anyone ever did. I think Trump was talking about getting rid of the bad guys, right? Like rounding them up and sending them home and and fixing the leaky border and doing, doing right. immigration the right way. I think Trump had a I think Trump had the clearest case of any president's had on immigration probably in 60 or 70 years. He's like, you don't have a country if you don't have a border. Let's get a border and then we can figure out who we want to let in. Right. I think it, that's not, absolutely right. And I don't think and I I don't think that necessarily after at least after a generation or two, these folks are gonna be checking Democrat boxes on a consistent no, and regular no, and, basis. You know, and we're seeing that right now, right? And I also don't understand well, first of all, two things. One, I thankfully Kamala Harris Vice President Harris She's has on the it. solution. She's on it, baby. She has the solution. White House actually coughed up their report on root yes, causes. <laughs> so it turns out here's the root cause. It's better to live in Milwaukee yeah. than it is to live in Mexico City. So we need to ship them a bunch of money and and make sure that they don't like you we, need, know. we need we need to make them more like Milwaukee. Yeah. And by the way, he's talking all the way circling all the way back to the media. She got they got panned for that thing a little bit. Like there's not much here that hasn't been like discussed already or or brought up as an issue. Well, I mean, uh, the, basically it's a retread, you I mean, know. The root cause is white pretty, paper, right? The root, the root cause is pretty But pretty here's what I want to know. Why aren't they why aren't they welcoming with open arms these Cubans? Yeah. Why aren't we bringing the Cubans in? I I, I They they are also political yeah. refugees, correct? Yeah. I mean it, it you know it it hmm scratching my head uh, it's it's it is what it is i i myself i'm a huge fan of cubans i'm a huge fan of cubans staying in cuba and flipping that regime i'm a huge fan of the cuban sandwich me it too absolutely delicious but you can't get decent cubans in in not dc here. Not no, here. no you just no. can't it's one of the, it's one of the sandwiches along with the philly cheesesteak and a hero in new york where the bread is absolutely essential, it and that key. that means it's locational, right? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else do we have? Do you have any? After talking about immigration, infiltration of the country by terrorists, and sandwiches, I think I'm done. All right, fair enough. All right, well, uh, since it is way past lunch, and I'm now very hungry for a good sandwich, I think we should wrap this up with one. Final clip of the day, shall we? Yeah, man. All right, here we go. And I want to thank you all for being here. Second, uh, by the way, where's mom? Mom, is she here? Oh, she's watching. Okay, I thought she looked and said, Mom was out there. I was going to ask her to stand up. But, Mom, you can't stand up and, if you're home. But, uh, folks, <laughs> give you a, thank you for what you've done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mom where's mom you out there this is so terrible episode number 46 in the books andy pettit part of the core four gosh i miss those days namaste <laughs>